0: Hello and welcome to Meet the Education Researcher. This is a podcast from the Faculty of Education at Monash University, and here we talk with researchers in and around the faculty about their current reading, writing and thinking. So welcome to the fifth recording in our semi-regular series of Meet the Education Researcher podcasts. My name is Neil Selwyn and I work in the Faculty of Education, Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. So the aim of these recordings is very simple. We're going to spend 15 minutes or so getting to know what researchers in and around the faculty are currently up to. So today I'm joined by David Bright, a lecturer in the faculty. Good morning, David.
1: Good morning, Neil.
0: Now, before we started, I set you a challenge to write your current research biography in 140 characters or less. And you described yourself as working in the area of difference, and in particular, teachers and students and how they see each other as different. So the first question that I always ask in this, set is what does it actually mean?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, So my background is as an English language teacher. I worked in Vietnam for a number of years teaching English. And uh, what really interested me about working there was the way that uh, people like me, Western white male educators, uh, are fascinated by the way in which the context we're working is different. Students are different. The language is different. The place is different. The way people act is different. and then thinking about how, how our identity as, as uh, Western English teachers is really constructed on top of that idea of difference.
0: So you talked about identity and the construction of identity, so I guess that's coming from a particular theoretical perspective. So when you're talking about difference, how are you actually kind of framing it?
1: Yeah, so I began um, working with Stuart Hall, actually. Um, so that was the starting point for it, and really looking at, at that idea of, of, a, of an identity that's produced through difference. Um, But uh, along the way, I was introduced to the work of uh, Deleuze, Deleuze and Guattari, um, and trying to get some sort of a grasp on Deleuze's ontology of difference, which is a sort of radical departure from that. And um, trying to find a way to think difference instead of identity. So I think... Hall's work's really, really useful, but it's still, it's a focus on identity that's constructed through difference, whereas I think Deleuze tries to discard that at all, discard that altogether uh, and think about difference rather than identity. That's so you're drawing difficult.
0: on cultural studies, you're drawing on philosophy, and then you're trying to apply it to school-based settings. I mean, how does that work in practice? Probably doesn't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, it's, it's yeah, it, it's not been uh, very practical or applied research, but uh, I sort of approached it as a bit of a ethnographic type of research. So I spent I spent four years, I think, living in Hanoi, and then I went back for a couple of months um, to, to properly collect data. Um, and then you know, just uh, doing a whole lot of observation, seeing how people interact, asking people how they understand the world, how they understand language, how they understand themselves and their students, and then trying to find the ways that difference flowed through that, trying to find the ways that difference was used, um, but still very much getting that sense that you know, in language, that we 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 very much privilege ideas of identity over
0: difference. Mm. So you've, you've come back from Hanoi, you've done this four-year study, and now you're in Melbourne and you're kind of now back in the rat race of education research. So presumably you're not doing four-year projects and su- in such depth, but I mean, how are you taking that research forward into researching in Australia?
1: Yeah, well, um, I, I'm fairly new uh, as an early career researcher, so um, it's kind of working in two ways at the moment. One of the things I'm doing is trying to publish stuff out of my four-year PhD study, um, which keeps me kind of, I guess, theoretically uh, oriented. Um, I'm working on a couple of little projects here in Melbourne. So one is citizenship education in the international student programs in Victorian government schools. So these are where students, uh, non-Australian students, can come in to Victorian public schools Mm. and pay fees to study. one of the things they study in, as part of the Australian curriculum, is citizenship, civics, and citizenship education. So there's a bit of a, a schism here, I think, in the way that we're teaching non-citizens uh, to be citizens, and and the whole um, the whole position of this, these students is predicated on them being non-citizens. Um, so I think again, this is somewhere where differences is 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 playing out in some sense. I don't, I don't have a good sense of it yet. Mm. Um, But the very existence of these students is predicated on them being different in as much as they're non-citizens. And then sort of, I guess, maybe to go back to the other question, how do you bring it into a more practical applied setting? Maybe the citizenship education aspect of it is a way of of grounding it more in practice. So how do we teach non-citizens to be citizens? Or do we teach non-citizens to be citizens? What are our obligations around the provision of education to these students.
0: So what have you had to read recently to actually get you up to speed in that area of citizenship? So you're moving on from Stuart Hall and Deleuze and Guattari. Who have you been reading recently that's been really useful for that particular research project?
1: I've been fortunate to be working with, because citizenship education is not uh, really my area. Well, it hasn't been my area. Um, so I've been working with Libby Tudbol, uh associate professor here, and she's been helping me to get up to speed with some of the thinking around citizenship, education thinking of concepts around uh global citizenship and um international citizens but i think w- my sense is um, there's some interesting thinking to be done about around these ideas as well of, of global citizens um and what in fact that actually means
0: and again i'm wondering whether the best stuff is actually written outside of education so again looking to cultural studies looking to philosophy looking to geography even for yeah, really absolutely,
1: that. absolutely. And I'm still reading, um, when I get chances to read it, I'm still really reading Deleuze and Guattari and mm. still trying to come to terms with this idea of difference and how it can be thought in a really practical sense or if indeed it can be thought.
0: So aside from those projects and that reading, have you got anything else exciting coming up on the, on the horizon in conferences or stuff that you're looking forward to in the next few months?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm heading off to the uh, International Congress of Qualitative Inquiry next week uh, in Champaign, Illinois. So Norman Denzen's oh, right, right, um, yeah. Qualitative Inquiry Congress. I went last year. Um, so this will be my second time back, uh, which I'm really looking forward to.
0: And what, how was that last year? Because, I mean, Denzin is such a kind of godlike name in that field.
1: Yeah, he is. And, and that's very much what attending was like, um, looking around. And there's Norman Denzin and Betty St-Pierre and, I, uh, you know, just, just seeing all these sort yeah, of yeah. famous characters. And then there's a generation of their students coming through who are sort of taking over the mantle and then, um, then us.
0: I was going to say, how do you feel? Do you feel like a kind of interloper, an outsider? How easy was it to kind of make networks and really make that work for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, it felt very much uh, a sense of, uh, not not belonging, but an uncanny kind of sense of being there, Um, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to go back this year, because Mm. I thought, you know, last year I just sort of fronted up and didn't know anyone and drifting in the current a bit. Um, So I thought going back would be a good experience um, with some connections, with some contacts. Uh, so it'll be interesting to compare yeah, yeah, the two yeah. experiences. You've got
0: to invest time, I think, in re- repeatedly visiting conferences that work for you rather than just doing them as a one-off.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's a nice conference. It's, um, it's not too big. Mm. Um, it's not too long. Uh, and, and some interesting interesting ideas and, I mean, really interesting people to listen to and talk to.
0: So uh, aside from listening and talking, one of the things I guess we're supposed to be doing is writing. So I'm really interested. What are you writing at the moment?
1: I've just had a paper accepted at uh, Critical Studies in Education, which was written out of my thesis. And that's Trevor Gale's journal? Yeah, Trevor Gale's journal. Um, So this is one that's really looking at uh, back to my PhD study and and trying to theorise a way to think about difference in this context of Western teachers and Vietnamese students in international schools.
0: How easy was it? Because I've always seen that journal as a good one because it's got like a 9,000 word limit and seems to be kind of quite loose since. I mean, was it an easy process to actually get accepted?
1: Um, no. <laughs> uh, it took over. Took me over a year. Right. Um, through a, a couple of series of revisions. Um, but I have to say, like, it, it was a really good experience Um Again, as an early career researcher with not too much experience publishing and so on, um, I found the editorial support really mm-hmm. good. So I got good reviews. I mean, I got very critical reviews, but productive reviews. Um, and and I, I felt you know there was a sense that that this was a process that we were embarking on. Um, so this is a pa- this was the third journal that I'd sent this paper yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Um, and it it's taken three years and three journals to get it published. But, but this one, was the first time where I felt I was actually engaging in a in a review process. Yeah,
0: I've heard really good things about that, Jim, in terms of the thoroughness of the feedback and the way that you actually – and you, that's so rare these days. And so, a, as you say, it may have been the third place you pinged it off to, but by the time it comes out, no one's going to know that, and you've got a much better paper on the nose yeah. of it. Well, everyone's going to know now. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, I was just thinking in terms of maybe not what you're immediately doing, but what you've kind of got in the back of your mind. Is there anything cooking in the back of your mind? Ideas for papers or projects, or I don't know, dream projects that you'd wish you could do in five years' time?
1: Yeah, uh, one of the things um, that I really want to do, and that's always sort of ticking away, and I work on it in bits and pieces, is writing a book. One of the one of the um, one of the things that's, that was really influential for me doing my PhD was some of the work around post-qualitative inquiry, Betty St-Pierre and um, Maggie McClure and, and, mm. and people like that. And, and so just writing rather than doing these sort of really empirical school-based studies. Um, and this was was one of the interesting tensions. I think, with my PhD because I went back, I think, for eight weeks to collect data for my study, but I'd lived there for four years. Yeah, yeah. I was really writing about what I already knew and I think I could have written something without any data, but I had to go back and fulfil the requirements of empirical research and collect this eight weeks' worth of data. So I'm, I'm, I'm always thinking about what is the book that I'd like to write out of that experience. And it, it certainly it would include elements from my dissertation, but I think it would be quite different as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's always good in that respect to maybe talk to publishers and ask them what the book is that they want you to write and then see if there's any middle ground between yeah, the two.
1: Yeah, that's probably a good idea.
0: And I was also thinking in terms of if I could give you a million dollars now, which I really would like to do, what would you do? What's your dream project? You know,
1: I would like to just do a really long slow ethnography of something where I can just sit and and watch and absorb without any sort of, you know, rationale or or application or, you know, um, desire to provide recommendations or programme adjustment.
0: What setting or context would that be in?
1: Oh, that's a really good question too. Um I don't know. Uh a million dollars, I'd do anything. (laughs) But um, one of the fascinating things about doing the work in Vietnam and doing it as an ethnography was the the sort of tension between the colonialism of ethnography Mm. and working in that setting but at the same time doing an ethnography in Vietnam about the white people in Vietnam rather than um, the Vietnamese people in Vietnam. So I think it would be interesting to do something like that in a different setting because I know Vietnam so well. It would be interesting for me to be out of place but then studying... The out-of-placeness uh, of that experience. Um, I'm doing uh, I'm doing our South Africa placement experience this year, um, so I'm really interested to see how I find that experience. I'm working with this cohort of you know young white teacher trainees or predominantly white trainee teachers going into. The South African context. That's
0: one of the things that I think I've had to do, having started working as an academic, is finding opportunities in my other work to allow me to do interesting stuff. So as you say, being going to South Africa on placement is kind of an ideal research opportunity as well, mm. even though it's not research. Yeah, that's right. So are you, are you an anthropologist masquerading in an education uh, faculty, or are you...
1: I don't know what I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was going to say, you seem to wear lots of different hats. You've got the language sheets, you've got citizenship, you've got the anthropology... How do you juggle all those sort of multiple identities?
1: Uh, well, I haven't figured that out yet um, by not saying that I'm anything in particular.
0: That, I think, is always the best way to do it. I guess, finally, I mean, I've always got one eye on the future, and I'm always wondering where education research is heading. So, I mean, as an early career researcher, I mean, what does the future look like to you? Where do you think we're heading?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question as well. Um, I think maybe to go back to your last question as well, I like because I don't... I guess I don't see myself as purely an educational researcher, so I, I I probably don't have quite as much insight into the education, the future of education in Australia aspect mm. of it. Um, but maybe that's a good thing. Maybe maybe I I will be able to see things that other people won't see.
0: Yes, you need to kind of construct this idea as a, an outsider, yeah. not an employable outsider.
1: Yeah, that's right. But as a research, as an educational researcher, I think what I'm interested in is is still the pursuit of ideas, and of course you know there's a imperative to have impact and for it to be practical and you know the the pragmatic aspect of research but i think i think we 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 should try not to lose sight of the sort of value in thinking for thinking's sake
0: yeah absolutely that is a really good point to end on thanks ever so much
1: thank you